This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, we offer up our Takeout series, where we will explore the realms of foreign horror cinema. Our hosts will take you along their travels all over the globe, while diving into some of the most lucid storytelling, savage cannibals, vengeful spirits, sadistic killers, and the post-apocalyptic zombie-plagued landscapes. Join us as we dissect the classics that prove sometimes fear comes with subtitles. I shall create for you an army of humanoids, indestructible human robots. This is the day of the humanoid, when man faces his greatest challenge from outer space. See them duel with laser guns and lethal arrows of shimmering Phlegathon. Discover the secret of Tantan, who disarms a mutant space creature programmed to kill. Cheer Kip, the robo-dog, as he blasts invaders from the blue planet Noxon. This time, they come too close. The Humanoid. Alrighty, folks. Welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration. And this is the Takeout Edition, where we celebrate foreign films, international films of all kinds. And this evening, rather this uh, afternoon, or this morning, actually, (laughs) it's sometime today. You know, whatever. (laughs) But we are doing an Italian semi-post-apocalyptic, dystopian, futuristic, Star Wars hybrid clone called The Humanoid from 1979, starring Richard Keel. And joining me this evening, I keep saying evening, but it's, it's, it's a reflex, folks. Uh, joining me today is my good buddy Tom Bradinsky. How are we doing? Hey, Cam. It's, it's, it's your world. I'm just here to provide the... Uh... Italian uh, fanboy commentary. So, <laughs> and, and you're the you're the right guy for the job. Yeah. One of one of my favorite sci-fi's we're going to be talking about here. I, I got to thank you for su- suggesting this one, much like uh, when you suggested uh, the psychic, uh, you know, a couple of months back when we did that. 
you know, it's like you're, you're always picking those rare ones that I think you know which ones I've seen. We've had so many conversations about these kind of movies. So I appreciate that you can still find one that I haven't seen. And this was a good one. I, I found it to be very interesting. Yeah, well, it, this is entertaining. And I, I for me, it's, it's always fun for me as, you know, as I've been around a long time. I've been watching movies a long time. But when I can discover a new one, I know how much fun that is. And I think I discovered this one probably about the time I was writing Italian zombie movies. So probably around 2008 or 2009. So it had already been out, you know, 30 years before I'd even heard of it. And uh, then to, to find it, you know, unfortunately, uh, there was never a real release for it around here. But, you know, it was on YouTube and other other area, other places we could find it. So I, I knew how much fun I had when I first found it. So I thought this might be one you'd enjoy as well. Yeah. And having Richard Keel in it, you know, is also a plus. I met the man several years uh, back. I got it was probably been about a decade or more. And uh, nice man. Uh, nice man. Interesting fella. And yes. uh, I, I really I like this him. movie. So I think I met him at the same place you did. Yep. Yeah, probably. Probably the same show. I think it was a a horror hound or a day's show or or one of those shows. (laughs) Well, let me go ahead and give the folks at home the quick IMDb synopsis and we'll get into it. And it's not a quick synopsis because they have a a full blown paragraph on this thing. But uh, stick with me, folks, as I read through this. All right. This is the humanoid from 1979. Hoping to overthrow his brother as ruler of the planet Metropolis, the evil Grawl enlists the help of the insane Dr. Craspin, who has invented a chemical capable of turning an ordinary person into the perfect soldier. I'm using air quotes here, folks. Perfect soldier. Uh, they test this chemical on the pilot Golob, turning the unsuspecting victim into a mindless but indestructible automaton possessing superhuman strength the people of Metropolis must somehow outwit Grawl before he can create an army of these soldiers or their planet will be destroyed. I feel like they give away everything on that one. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not that's not one of the, the quick sto- uh, synopsis. That, that's the full-blown, like, outline. They do. They, they, only, they, they don't give away the little subplot between uh, Lady Agatha and uh, Dr. Craspin, you know, their... The little uh, the little deception going on there, but uh, other than that, yeah, they 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 pretty much tell you the whole thing right there. <laughs> yeah, they they give it to y'all, and they they waste no time uh, showing their their true colors here, and uh, that they're clearly trying to you know rip off Star Wars and a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. I mean <laughs> they start off with that Star Wars title crawl. Uh, it works for me, though. I like it. I, I it's it's cheesy as all get up, man. But I really do like it. Well, unlike you know, unlike Star Crash, which this is often compared to, uh, you know, which which came out a couple of years before this, or, or right mm-hmm. around. In any event, Star Crash was conceived before Star Wars. This movie was conceived, obviously, after Star Wars, and you can tell, especially in terms of the production design, the costumes. They are right out of Star Wars. I mean, just I mean, they they look like people on Tatooine. I mean, it's it's oh yeah. And the bad guy is basically Darth Vader or Dark Helmet, depending on what your uh, point of view is. His his helmet's a lot bigger than Vader's. I I think he looks exactly like Darth Helmet. Yep. Because I even made a note about that that the stormtroopers uh, in this uh, movie look a lot like Darth Helmet. Yep. 
Yep, for for once an Italian movie has their bad guys wearing black after seeing so many of those uh, Escape from the Bronx, you know, type films where all the bad guys are wearing white, which always looks silly to me. But these guys, they're all dressed in black. They got the black helmets. They, you know, they're they're uh, like you said, very stormtrooper esque. Um, they got the cute robot. You know, he happens to be a dog, Kip the Robo Dog, <laughs> and he's he's your R two D two basically. I loved Kip. I love Kip. Yep. Usually, I I hate things like that. It, it it grinds on my nerves. But I liked Kip. I was yeah. just like, nothing better happened to Kip. That's what I kept thinking throughout this whole movie. Anything happens to Kip, I riot. And, and while the special effects were certainly more of the Star Crash level, you know, they had a Star Destroyer basically. They had a Millennium Falcon basically. You know, they had space fights, although not maybe as many space fights as I think the, the fans would have liked. There, there's a bit of a battle in the middle there, but not the big space fight at the end, which I think everyone was probably expecting. But, uh, you know, and, and the Italians, they, they didn't have the, the complex optical printing blue screen technology and all that stuff that, that we had here in the, in the 70s. So they were doing it on wires and strings, just like the Japanese were. And, and you know, surprisingly, they, they pulled it off for the most part. You know, it looks pretty cool. It's definitely 1970s. But, you know, but it's it's the uh, kind of the, the the stringed version of Star Wars. You know, it's, it's not quite that technical level, but you, you still can have a lot of fun watching it. Um, now, I think the effects really work well, except when there's one in that opening shot when they're zooming in through space and oh, zooming terrible. in for that Star Destroyer yeah. in the window oh. and that. And the image is moving around, shaking. I'm just like, ooh, what am I in for? But like, besides that, most of it looks really, really well. There's no glaringly like bad CG or bad green screen or wires and strings that you can see, you know, for right. the most part. But that, that opening shot, I was like, ooh, ouch. And we probably shouldn't forget there's a land speeder in this movie, too, which is an absolute 100% ripoff of Star Wars land speeder. It looks like the exact same vehicle. Oh, yeah. Uh, it looks and that was and that was sort of a, a weaker effect too, I think. But yeah, overall, you know, again, you gotta you gotta take a, take into account the era. Uh, the budget for this movie was quite high. I think it's reported like seven million dollars, which in those days, and you can tell. I mean, they have big stages for this movie. Yeah, um, big you know, stages, huge sets. Out, I yeah. mean, a lot of uh, outlandish sets, flamboyant costumes, really neat miniatures. It was pretty ambitious. I mean, for mm -hmm. an Italian production at that time. Yeah, and and then you got to you know we we haven't really gotten into this at all, but I mean it's it, it's an all star cast. I mean this was they they had big plans for this movie for sure. I mean you, you had Ivan Razumov as Lord Grawl. You know Ivan, we all we all know Ivan from Eaten Alive and Jungle Holocaust mm -hmm. and and all those movies. That's what he, I recognized him from was Jungle Holocaust. Yeah. I mean he was a, he was a big name in that era. Of course Richard Keel, the star. You know you know him as Jaws from Spy Who Loved Me and and uh moonraker and things like that but you know he'd been around for a long time lots of tv appearances and all that and this uh, was his first like leading role where he was cast as top billing wasn't it at least in that in the 70s he had some leading roles in the 60s that were probably maybe best forgotten like you probably remember ega Oh, uh, yeah. He was also, I think he might have been the star of The Human Duplicators, which was another sci-fi where, where he had quite a bit of dialogue. He played kind of a uh, emotionless robot in that. But, you know, he's, he definitely was, you know, kind of going to be the heavy, going to be the B-movie heavy guy. You know, of course, when you're seven foot two and as big as he is, it's, that's the kind of roles you're going to get. But, you know, and uh, I've yeah. always said it's a good thing to be typecast because you're finding work then. Right, exactly. And and he had a long, you know, long career. 
Um, and I mean, Arthur Kennedy, you know, from Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, at least where I would, would recognize him most from, but he was a big star. Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, this guy had been around. For oh, yeah. And I actually read that he was a last minute replacement to play Dr. Craspin because they were going to get uh, Donald Pleasance, which yep. I can't. I would have loved to have seen Donald Pleasance in the role. Not that Arthur Kennedy did a bad job. No, I, I think either one of them could have done it. And but Arthur Kennedy, I thought, I mean, it was a, it was such a creepy little part. I thought he nailed that. Oh yeah, and, um, you know, but I mean, this the, the whole cast and the, and, and Corrine Claire or Corrine, she probably says I'm not sure Cleary, you know, uh, is is kind of a heroine in this one, and you know, she was in Moonraker and a bunch of other stuff, and yeah, one we just reviewed not too long ago, you're the hunter from the future, was what I right. recognized her from before yeah. I even recognized her from Moonraker. Yeah, but it's yeah. got a couple of. Uh, uh, Bond girl uh, actors because uh, Barbara Bach yeah. was in uh, Spy Who Loved Me or when I remember in the wrong one. Yep, no, that's it. Spy Who Loved Me and and I remembered her more from Island of the Fishmen, but of course you know Ringo Starr's wife, model in all kinds of movies, you know, in that era. And uh, you know they they definitely got people who were not like past their prime or anything. These were people who were still in their prime that they were pulling into this movie and. And I'm sure they saw the budget and the script. You probably would read the script and you think, okay, yeah, this is an obvious Star Wars ripoff. But I don't think they knew how much of a ripoff it was going to be until they <laughs> probably got there and saw their costumes and saw the stages and thought, oh, my gosh, this is never going to get released in America because Lucas is going to sue us. That was actually one of the other funny things I thought. If you, When you see the credits, you'll see it's directed by George Lewis. Yes, so that's a pseudonym. Sound a little bit like George Lucas? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't well, directed by George Lewis. It was Aldo Lado who, you know, wrote it, directed it, and was a you know, longtime Italian kind of hired gun director. He would he would probably direct basically anything, but I think he's best known for the Gilos um that he did very early in his career. Um oh god, what was that? Who saw her die? Um, what was the other one? Short Night of Glass Dolls. But he's he's been you know he's been around a long time too. And even at this point, he'd been directing for probably you know fifteen years or so. So it was this was not a you know a it's little. It's not a cheapo. It was not a cheapy. No, no, they went for and and let's and really if you if you watch the credits closely, you'll see Enzo Castellari is listed. I saw as, that. Now, what did did he was he a uh, an assistant director on that? I'm I'm unsure what he contributed yeah, to this there's different stories about what his role was if he was like an advisor or i i heard i read somewhere that he directed like the first scene and i don't know if he did that just to set the tone and then he stepped aside or maybe he quit and then they brought in aldo because again aldo's kind of a hired gun and he kind of will he's he, he's not bruno Mattei, but i mean he's one of those guys who would kind of come in and, and do he could do anything so maybe he didn't want to do the movie. I don't know. I don't really have any idea there, but he was you know, certainly a part of it. And um, interestingly, too, uh, that uh, Antonio Margaretti, Anthony yeah. M. Dawson, who did all, you know, did your, speaking of your, you know, Aliens from the Deep, um, you know, he, he was, did special effects on all kinds. He was actually an advisor to 2001, special effects from 2001, a space artist. And, uh, you know, he did the effects for this, among other things. So, I, like I say, this was a – they pulled together, you know, a real talented bunch of folks to to do this. And uh, all all throughout the, the cast and the credits and, the, you know, the, the crew. So, you know, I think they, they had big plans. <laughs> Even, uh, like, some of the supporting characters, you know, our, our buddy uh, Octavio D'Aqua. 
Yeah, yeah. It was a technician, you know, from uh, Bolchi Zombie, amongst like a thousand other movies. And how I can't pronounce his last name, Yamanuchi? Yamanuchi? Oh, yeah. uh, yep. It was it was another soldier, just like, like I'm going through the cast list. And I'm like, you know, and these are guys that are going uncredited. And I'm like, I'm considering them star material and how they went, you know, under the radar, uncredited. It's beyond me. Yeah, yep. And, and we, and of course, we cannot forget. The soundtrack, the music, was by the legendary Ennio Morricone, and yep. who has done what six hundred soundtracks? I mean, it's, it's oh yeah, probably, probably at least at least I would say. But, but but unfortunately, I would I would I would argue this is probably his worst soundtrack. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, some of it is really good, and about twenty five percent of it, and seventy five percent of it just sounds like elevator music to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like he was doing some kind of experimental music for this one. It's not. It's not his typical sound at all. It almost sounds like four sort of, you know, different tunes going at once at different time signatures. It's sort of electronic. It's. I don't know what he was going for with it. Um, and then there's some sort of orchestral stuff thrown in that during the, you know, when the bad guys are walking down the hall that, you know, kind of reminds you of something that you might have seen in Empire Strikes Back, although that hadn't come out yet. But, um, you know, there, he, he, it's a real mishmash. So I don't know if he just had some music laying around and they threw it in or, or how they did it. But it's 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 definitely a weak point, which is really strange to say when you're talking about, you know, Ennio, because his, his music is usually the high point and he's, you know. He's won Oscars or at least been nominated for them, and he's written some really great songs. I think, great I think he's uh, he's like won a couple Oscars because I'm I can't say for sure, but I I, I uh, thought he I, I thought he had, but I'm trying to remember without cheating and looking up on the IMDb, know, I'm which I'm not going to do. Once upon a time in the West, maybe something, but I mean, he did Hateful Eight, you know, Untouchables. I mean, he's been he does just amazingly memorable soundtracks. And for this one, I don't know if he was, like I say, it, it sounds almost experimental. And it just, it didn't really help the film at all. But it doesn't sound like Star Wars. So that's the one thing that doesn't sound like Star Wars is the soundtrack. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't. It it it, it did sound very uh, expe experimental, as you were saying. It didn't, it just didn't sound like his normal type of stuff. It just sounded very odd. Yeah, no, it just it didn't it didn't. I have to say, I mean, like I say, I I love his work, but you know, and I've done soundtracks too. I I know what it's like when it doesn't work, and I've had soundtracks that didn't work too. Uh, you know, you, you you do your best, and you 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 get the direction from the director and what they say they want, and you try to do it, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So hey, but he's he's probably got five hundred ninety nine you know great soundtracks, and maybe this one that probably isn't so great. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I've this is the first time I listened to one of his soundtracks and was just like, wow, for once I'm not impressed. So, you know, if you got like 600 credits and you only got one that you can pick out of the bunch, that's not really good. You, you still got to, you know, that's a pretty good run. Yeah, it is. And that's what I say. I felt like maybe this was almost experimental or maybe, you know, maybe he didn't directly write the soundtrack for this. They just took some music that he had and they, they kind of made it fit or something. I don't know. It's hard to say. But again, in any event, you'd look at the cast and the crew of this and you'd say, this is this is top of the line. You know, this is this is definitely going to be a top of the line sci fi. And, you know, and they they, they gave it their best shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like the story. I, I, I yeah. wish they would have had more with uh, Lord Grawl 
uh, that, oh, that Ivan plays with because he he was a he seemed like he was a great bad guy, but they never let him just just break loose. They never That's, like lay, not until the end, like that final battle. Do they which let which him, yeah. you know, which when you think about it, you watch what he's doing at the end. So he he looks, you know, we we I mean, like you said, the synopsis on IMDb basically gave it away. But you know, Ivan Razumov, Lord Grau, you know, he he basically is Darth Vader. And in the end, when he's all of a sudden he reveals he's got these like laser hands, it's it's so reminiscent of Return of the Jedi, you know, when the Emperor is using these laser beam hands. And, and I know, right? Done four years earlier in this movie, so you you kind of wonder if movies, you know, they influence each other. You know, so this, you know, I think arguably they could say, "Hey, we came up with that." You know, we, sure we stole your Darth Vader helmet, but we we came up with the laser hands that then your Emperor used. You know, in, in all the subsequent Star Wars films, so pretty cool. But yeah, you know, it's like you said, there there were things that they did a lot of things in this movie, and and you know, some of it was it was a, it was certainly elaborate, and you know, didn't let you down. It wasn't boring or anything like that, but it just felt like. Kind of like maybe the the director was just maybe not as much all that into it, you know. I think everybody else was, but there were scenes that you felt they could have got more out of them, and you know would have been nice to get yeah. a little deeper into the story and things like that. And it was almost like I don't know, maybe they were in a hurry and they just wanted to do it quickly, or the effects were taking too long, or whatever it was. But it just or maybe the like, money men, you know, the producers are like, like, listen, yeah. we already we're hemorrhaging money here, quick, quick, yeah. make it done. I mean, I think this is a good movie, especially as far as Italian sci-fis go. I think it's it's one of the best, but it could have been even more. Certainly could have been more if they had just maybe. And I guess, he, you know, the director was the writer. So sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, you know, and he wasn't the only writer, but he was one of the writers. And, and maybe, you know, again, as a hired gun director, he wasn't a huge sci-fi fan. You know, maybe he was more into it. Yeah, maybe it was just a paycheck for him, and he was like, yeah. you know, his passion yeah. wasn't really in it. It felt like a made-for-TV movie at times, but yet it was much more elaborate than that at other times. So, you know, hard to say where, where, where it kind of came apart like that. But that's probably also why it didn't get really any kind of a release, at least in the United States. Um they think the I think a company did pick it up, but nobody really knows if it ever played any theaters. So I'm guessing it didn't. And we certainly don't have a Blu-ray or a DVD release of this, which is really no. sad. I think this would be a great Blu-ray release if somebody, you know, hello Synapse, somebody out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, Synapse, you know, Arrow, somebody, you know, pick yeah. this one up, man. It deserves it. It's got such a great cast. You're gonna you're gonna sell all kinds of copies just just on the curiosity factor. And there's so many great stills you could pull from the movie of effects and things like that that are even makeup effects. I mean, there's there's some <laughs> there's just some stuff in here that is really cool what they did. And well, yeah, uh, the coolest thing I think they did was they didn't make the stormtroopers, uh, you know, idiots, because let's face it, the stormtroopers in Star Wars couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with an elephant. The stormtroopers in this movie hit their targets. Oh yeah, they, you know, they, they, they hit, hit everything. Little... They rarely miss if ever miss. They hit Richard Keel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they shot him in the chest and the arms and the shoulders the, the, hundreds of times, but he just keeps coming because he's goal of the humanoid. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped. I felt like bad for him at first when Golob gets turned into because he, you know. Yep. He's a gentle, gentle giant at first. And they even say like, oh, I've heard of this man. You know, he, he's, a, he's a gentle, he's a kind soul. He's a good man. Like, well, not anymore. Not that they, they put that, what was it? Uh, the Capitron? Was that what it was called that they put, so, that they okay, stole? Yep. 
that yeah that they stole from the the base and that mutated the humans into super soldiers. But yeah. I I have to say like the the, the subplot that I, I I feel like they left a bit out like when he changes and they mutate him, he just loses his beard. Yeah. <laughs> for, for no reason and it was a good look for him he, he had a good look with the beard and then at the very end you know we're jumping we're jumping around here a little bit folks but uh, at the end when he changes back to normal he just automatically has his beard back and i'm like i don't think that's how facial hair works yeah yeah i was <laughs> i wasn't wasn't too well thought out there i think but yeah and then <laughs> But but again, it was the the concept, you know, that they had oh, this yeah. this bomb that was going to mutate, and they could mutate these soldiers into these humanoids, and then they had this other thing that would allow them to control these humanoids. But the guy who invented all this stuff is really more interested in revenge on the woman who ruined his career, and uh, you know, and, and Barbara Bach is more interested in staying beautiful forever, and you know, they they get. They get Lord Grawl out of the prison just so he can kind of be their pawn and all of this. But none of the bad guys really like each other. And I thought that was kind of cool. They're yeah, all like they, weren't, they weren't like necessarily working against, actively working against one another, but they all had their own little underhanded deals going on. Exactly. It, it was it, They were more interesting than the good guys because they had more of a kind of a, a dynamic between them because they all had their own little agendas that they were going to put ahead of you know, what they were all supposedly doing. We're all supposedly going here to, to uh, conquer Metropolis and to, you know, overthrow uh, Lord Grawl's brother, I guess, who was the, the ruler there. And, uh, you know, so that was like supposedly their overarching thing, but then they all get caught in their own little, their own little dramas. And, and they uh, never they, really give the brother a name. They just call him the, no. great, the great brother. And, and about halfway through the movie, he just disappears. <laughs> yep, yep. He that was just disappears and just like, yep, yep, we're just like, forgot about that subplot. Yeah. Like, the Lady Agatha subplot, to me, was the most interesting part about it, because she kind of had a Countess Bathory oh, kind of yeah. thing going on, where she was, you know, where, uh, was it, uh, Dr. Craspin was, you know, bloodletting, you know, these these girls out in that, that wicked machine. That, oh, that just looked like, yeah, that, that, that made, that uh, that was the, uncouth here, but that made my asshole tighten up this little that, bit with all those needles. I'm just like, mm, mm, no. <laughs> that was the that was the uh, the the Star Wars, you know, where Princess Leia's getting the truth serum through the little needly android. Take that to the hundredth power. That's yeah. what's going on with this guy, and I, I thought that was very very gruesome, effective, you know, little prop that they did there. So it was, that was neat. But yeah, again, she she was her own, you know, she had her own reasons for wanting to do these things, and she needed, you know, Doctor Craspin to to keep herself beautiful and alive, and you know, so it was it was just kind of it, it seemed like that whole aspect was was pretty well thought out, and the humanoid stuff it was a good idea, just they didn't maybe quite. Nail it, you know, as far as, uh, you know, it would have been nice to have him more mutated, not just lose his beard, you know. All yeah, that that's what I thought. Like, if they had done something to make him look more gaunt or sickly or discolored or disfigured or something, it's like, no, we're just going to shave his beard off. Well, and, and they had the, uh, you know, the, the special makeup effects guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, drawing a blank. Uh, oh, I forget. Uh, but basically the guy who did the makeup effects for Zombie. You know, I mean, he's <laughs> he did the makeup effects, so he certainly could have given you a, hu a scary looking humanoid if he wanted to. Oh, but, uh, uh, Giannetto de Rossi. Yes, yes. That's it. I yeah. looked it up. Yep, yep, super, yep. super famous gore effects guy. I mean, he certainly could have given you and he did, and he did do some, there were some pretty cool effects on, you know, Lady Agatha later. 
but uh, you oh, know, when she melts down, yeah, I was really surprised that the the level that they went with that because this movie I think is rated like PG. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, you don't usually get the full blown you know body mutation or body melting uh, in a PG thirteen or PG movie. So I was I was impressed by that. It was it was a little different in '79. They could get away with a little more of that, I guess. But I think he did in the same year he did this. He did zombie. So you know, the, like the effects were there. You know, he oh, had the yeah. he had the know how and everything. But that, I just think it was held up a little bit by the the you know more family friendly rating. Yeah, it's like I say, there's a lot of things that you know maybe again it was '79. You know, it was it was different. Every you know different era, different standards of entertainment and stuff. But this still checked most of the boxes. You know, I mean, it gave you a lot of a lot of fun, not boring, lots of gunfights. You know, interesting villains. And and it even gave you you know enough Star Wars ripoffs, including the 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 little kid who basically has Obi Wan powers. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Tom Tom. Tom Tom. What is what it about? an actor. Names like Tom Tom and John John and and Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I I'm glad you mentioned Bob because I know I heard a lot of people mention little old Bob from House by the Cemetery. It, it, they, they always mention him as the most annoying kid actor in one of these movies. I, I think Tom Tom's the most annoying kid. <laughs> I was just like, like, uh, there's a reason why he only did two movies. They're, they're, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on the kid, but I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, he, well, you know, he, he the, the part he was given, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give him some. Got to gotta throw him a little bit of a, a bone there, and hey, you know. Plus, he was a child, that, you know. He was yeah. maybe nine, ten years old at the at the oldest. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it was. I mean, he was basically, you know, a young Obi Wan. <laughs> very young Obi Wan, and, and used and his what mind control with, powers. What was with those "quote unquote"? I mean, again, using air quotes here that you can't see. Friends that he had that were like spiritual, like protectors and whatnot i mean they kind of reminded me a little bit like uh like the sand people from star wars but they were like jedi ghosts that would just show up and shoot people with these glowing blue arrows which i thought was a neat effect the fact that the arrows glowed it was really neat looking lightsaber arrows so you got to give them credit for coming up with that that little concept there at least that's the first time i think i'd seen it but yeah, I, you know, it's it was it, again another not really clear. They didn't we really didn't understand his backstory, you know why Barbara Gibson was his nanny, his teacher. Um, you know, it was it was just it needed just more little more exposition there for for us to understand. But and and Barbara Gibson, why she betrayed you know Doctor Crespin, how she betrayed him, how did she end up you know where she was now, um, you know because she was clearly a, a scientist. Um, so yeah, just, you know, little, little things that kind of leave you hanging. But if you, if you don't get too hung up on those, those details and you're, you're just watching this to, to, to pass the time and to have some fun, to see some good special effects and, and to see, you know, Richard Keel basically decapitate six people with, uh, yes. with, with one girder that he throws and knocks their heads right off, right in a row, six times. Boom, 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 boom. I, I had a note about that. I'm like, he decapitated at least a good half dozen people with one fell swoop. That was awesome. One fell swoop with a thrown girder. So that was a, that was, that was a high point for me. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> right off. A lot of, a lot of stunts. I mean, there were a lot of good stunts actually. A lot of action. Part. I mean, action yep. galore and, 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 
Richard Keel's at the center of all of it because he's basically like he, they turn him into a Terminator. No yep. bullet can stop him. No blast. No door can you know uh, stop him. When they put him in that chamber and that, that says it has eight thousand eight hundred thousand pounds of pressure, yep. and, and it goes to crush him, he just pushes it up and, and like like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like yep, you believe it too. You're looking at him like yep, I believe in my heart that Richard Keel could do this. Yep, he's just un- an unstoppable force, and that was uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it just made it fun. It's 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 absolutely B movie, you know. Oh but, yeah, uh, but but yeah, I mean, Golub lays waste to everything and anyone that they put, they put in his path. They put all those stormtroopers in his path. He just. He's tossing people left and right like Andre the Giant in a wrestling match, like a Royal Rumble. He's just tossing them over his shoulder. The one scene where he keeps throwing them straight up into the ceiling and not yeah. like, <laughs> like in, not with any kind of arc. No, straight up. I'm like, I'm yep. willing to bet at least one of those stuntmen had an impacted spine and got fucked oh. up at some point. Must have had a broken neck or something. Yeah. And and you and you think about, you know, and he's and he was, you know, supposedly I think they said he's seven foot two. I think when you and I met him, he he'd shrunk a little bit since then, although he was still huge. I remember he he put his hand over my head because that's his favorite pose to do with, you know, people who are getting photos with him. His hand just like engulfed my head. I mean, he is he was he was huge, but I just wonder if some of those stormtrooper guys he was throwing around, you know, maybe they were only five foot five just to make him look even bigger. But they were still, they were good effects. Yeah, even if they were six foot tall, he was still a good, you know, yeah, head and shoulder length ahead of them. Yep, yep, he, now, was, he was a giant. But one thing I got to change gears here for a second. Um, the most outlandish thing about this movie, and the craziest thing is Agatha's hair. is <laughs> totally out of this world. How many cans of Aquanet do you think they used to get her hair into that weird... Like it's not even a Princess Leia kind of poof, you know, like like the bottoms on the side. It, yeah, it looks like a hood of hair. Yeah, I, I still, I you know, my my copy of it that I have is probably some I don't know where it got ripped from. I guess you said it's on YouTube. I actually have a. That's I, where I found it. That's yeah. I, I, would I, I didn't find watch. It. I didn't watch the YouTube version. I had a version of some somebody ripped it somewhere at some point. I could never be sure if that was her hair or if that was a hood she was wearing. Because later in the movie, you know, she doesn't have her hair like that because she's got sort of her little space helmet on, and uh, where you know it's almost like aviator you know leather aviator helmet (laughs) right right so i'm sometimes so that had me thinking well is that her hair or was that a hood i'm still not sure but yeah i've I've never seen hair like that before that was that was definitely uh that was crazy (laughs) awesome (laughs) and doctor i think my favorite character besides golob is uh and i love kip i i i know a robotic dog is not really a character but like he plays into the movie really well and they even use him in the you know the the kind of r2d2 sense of him helping everybody out when they least just expect it yep but i like dr craspin he's oh yeah i, I still can't picture or i can picture uh donald pleasance in the role i just wonder what he would have done with it but when he at the last minute when he you know uh golob's got a hold of uh Barbara, Barbara Gibson, and he's about to like just snap her neck, and he just goes, "Oh, like I'm gonna," or not snap his neck, but I messed up there. When when Golob gets a hold of uh, the great brother and he's about to snap his neck, and he like he he changes his prime directive, kind of like a RoboCop, like, "Oh, like no, 
he could have waited. He could have waited ten seconds. Would have done exactly what Lord Grawl wanted him to do, and then still got what he wanted and got his, you know, the quote unquote great brother that he hated so much. Yeah. But no, when he double crossed them, I'm just like, oh, there's going to be some hell to pay for that. And of course, you know, there is. Everybody kind of get, everybody gets theirs in the oh, end yeah. of this movie. Every every villain, but He's like dead. every every good Italian, uh, even some good ones and not so not so good uh, Italian flicks always end in some big warehouse factory with lots of pipes and lots of metal and a lot less machinery that just like they dress up to like, okay, this is going to look like science fiction. Right, and and lots of and 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 in, and in poor Doctor Craspin's case, yeah, he he gets it good. I mean, that's a that's a it's a pretty nasty end that he that he has for sure. Oh yeah, but I do think I'm not so sure Lord Grawl actually died. I think he pulled a. I think he you know when when uh, when Golub has him and is and has got him in his grips and he's gonna crush him and all that stuff and all of a sudden he just sort of vanishes. You know, his his he drops. It was like Obi Wan when 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 Vader struck down Obi Wan in Star Wars and all he sees yes. the robes. Well, that's pretty much what happens to Lord Grawl here at the end when when Golub finally gets a hold of him, and it's just his clothes fall and hit the ground. So is he dead? Did he escape? I don't think so. I don't think they really. I, I think he just kind of he pulled a little slipperoo and just got got the fuck out of Dodge when nobody who yep. <laughs> was paying attention, so to speak. Because I think they were definitely planning. For a series of these, I oh, think they I were think. counting on this being a much bigger hit than it was. Yeah, and I'm and again, I'm, I'm not sure why it didn't get more. You know, you know, Star Crash. When you think about it, you know that certainly was you know maybe a more original story and had Carolyn Monroe. But this, you know, this had this had a great cast and certainly had higher production values than Star Crash. And you know, just why why didn't it get out there more I, I can't really figure it out probably the production company collapsed or something um it not, might have been something in the publicity and advertising and you know maybe they did uh, you know have a have a you know the trailers set up right they didn't have the promotion set up right you know no, you know you can have the best movie in the world but if nobody knows about it they don't know that it exists. They can't go to see it. Or maybe, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, so, as, as happened with The Last Shark, you know, maybe they knew that if they released this in the U.S., they were going to get sued. Lucas was going to sue them. So they said, well, okay, we, we can't hit our target market. And this was all shot in English. So, you know, we were their target market. And uh, so then they, you know, released it around a little, little bit around Europe, you know, to the places they could. And, and then it just kind of was a big tax write-off, I guess, again, which is a shame because I, I think this is a movie that does deserve to be seen. And uh, especially if you're a, a fan of, you know, Italian sci-fi, because this is, this is as good as it gets for Italian sci-fi. This is right up there with, with their best ones. And uh, even for its, you know, its weaknesses, maybe we're nitpicking a little bit, but, um, you know, it's an obvious, obvious, blatant copy of Star Wars in terms of well, the whole All the way down to the, you're our only hope. Right. They use that line at least twice, if not three yep. times. You know, I mean, they, they rip. I mean, they use everything, but you know, the force will be with you always. They use everything, everything in it. Yeah, but so it is, but it isn't. You know, it has the look, but it's still its own story and its own. You know, that's that's interesting. That's not Star Wars. So I, I don't know. It's it's. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. I hope somebody's listening who's got some some access to some of the prints somewhere, whatever still exists. Hopefully something exists out there of this movie somewhere where they could, you know, get a print and, and, and put out a nice Blu-ray because I do think there'd be a nice market for it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a niche market, but man, the people would, if they knew about this movie, I think they would flock to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little silly, it's a little hokey, it's a little cheesy, and yeah, like you said, it's a blatant Star Wars ripoff, but it's a lot of fun. And it's filled with a ton of action. There's oh, really, yeah. you know, other than a few points with uh, with Tom Tom that kind of slow things down a little bit. You, know, it, it, essentially, it moves by at a pretty, you know, it, it moves along at, at a decent click. You know, it, it's really fast moving. Yeah, it has you. It has you want more, really. You know, there were scenes that I wish were longer, like we talked about the the transformation of the humanoid. You know, I bet you, I'll bet you on the maybe not. I, I mean the original script i just have a feeling at the end there was probably more of a space battle at the end that they just i think know, so probably, too yeah because it just feels like it, it could have had that as well instead of him you know basically fighting in the in the space dock i'll bet you probably at least they envisioned at some point getting up into space and finishing the battle up there i bet that would have that would have added a little bit to it but again you know it's like i said not not at all boring and what they did do what they did shoot is is a lot of fun to watch I like the the tail gunning sequence. This kind of mirrors again the <laughs> the, the, the Star Wars, you know, a, a New Hope. Yep. You know, saying like where it's, it's just like, yep, that was straight out of a, a a New Hope. It was, but it was it was fun. You know, I mean, I would have liked to seen more of that because it, it was just engaging. You know, it, it it never bored me. I'll have to say that. Yep. No, that's and that to me is one of the marks of a of, of a enjoyable movie i i don't like to be bored during a movie i mean there, there are other things i can do that are boring this is this is not going to be one of those things i think you're going to have fun with it and it's and again there, there are other you know we haven't even talked about leonard mann who's basically the, the hero the, the princely hero the princely um, yeah the princely hero he's, he's another face that you'll you know when you when you see him in there you you probably won't you won't be able to picture where you've seen him but he was in all kinds of stuff too mostly in you know european cinema but he was in I think I read he was in Silent Night, Deadly Night three. I mean, yeah. he was in Cut and Run, Flowers in the Attic. He's he's in a bunch of stuff that you you as soon as you see his face, you recognize him. And there, there I mean, he even things. went back and going way back, he did. Uh, uh, I mean, a couple episodes of Charlie's Angels for crying out loud. Sure, yeah. I mean, these are all very recognizable. You know, seventies, sixties, seventies, even eighties. You know, some of their careers got into the nineties even. Um, so you know, it was it was. They 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 played it you know serious. They they gave it their all, and I think that that shows in the in the final product too. It's just it's a little bit lackluster in the direction department. I think is is the the major flaw, but uh, that didn't hurt it that much. No, no. The the one thing that I had a that, that I I wondered what the deal was was how old uh lady at lady agatha was supposed to be because she goes one day without getting like that blood serum or transfusion she she falls apart like and literally quite literally melts and falls apart like like that yeah would have been nice to maybe know more about that i i don't recall them getting into that i i should i should tell you guys about something real quick before i forget so there is a shrine to Italian horror, and if it's on goalofthehumanoid.com, and it's not just Goal of the Humanoid, but it's all the Italian horror films. It's Star Crash, it's Contamination, it's everything. But on on the Goal of the Humanoid section, uh, I believe if you go into the cast and crew, I can't remember where it is, maybe it's production. Anyway, on one of the links, if you click on it, the screenplay is actually available online. So maybe maybe they give more backstory on, on that. I haven't actually read it. 
by actually, Castle. I just looked it up. On, on There is actually a, a whole section just on Lady Agatha. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have me some reading material here later. Yeah, it's a lot of pictures mostly. I I, I know the uh, the guy who who put this out. Um, he goes by Gons. He actually was one of the co-authors of the uh, the Curved Space, the Adventures of Stella Star, further adventures of Stella Star that that I co-wrote with him. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep, he wrote a couple of. So we all basically wrote sequels and prequels to Star Crash, and I actually met Gans through this website when I was researching Italian zombie movie. I came across this incredible site and he and I started emailing and we never met in person, but then he got me in touch with the editor who was doing this um, curve space book and I contributed a, a story to it and he contributed some stories. So it was, it was just a ton of fun. But this this Italian spaghetti sci-fi shrine, I guess, is is what you might want to Google search. But it's got Planet of the Vampires, Star Crash, Star Crash 2, Your, Alien Contamination, Cosmos, War of the Robots, Beast from Space. I mean, just great trivia and and photos and details about just all the great Italian sci-fis that were all you know from that era. And uh, but it's it's really his tribute to Golub. The humanoid that was like his i think i don't know if it was his favorite movie of all of them or if it, that's the one that got him into it but uh he's he's met richard keel a few times and uh, you know when richard was live of course um and it's just it's just a great website so if, if you are into italian sci-fi i strongly recommend you go there you, you'll learn a lot about the about the movie there and you'll see a lot of great stills and pictures he used to have a link um you know where you could find it i don't know if that's on there anymore i i just like I said, I just kind of thought about it while we were talking here and <laughs> kind of jumped over onto it. But uh, certainly if you're into this stuff, it's it's a great page. Oh, I'm gonna, I definitely I, I just bookmarked it, so I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm definitely gonna like look into the script if it's still on there and available because I would love to read it to see like what maybe little you know, what little tidbits might have, you know, been left in there. Okay, let me see. Oh, there it is. Yep. Well, something's on here. How much of the script is this? Says the humanoid Metropolis crew of two. Oh, it is. next page. Oh my gosh! I think what I think this is. I think he transposed the entire movie. Ah. I'm, it's page by page. I'll, I'll bet you that's what it is. Hard to say for sure though. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe he had access to it. I, now I went too far to go back. <laughs> Got to go back and see if he gives us an intro to what this is. <laughs> <laughs> the humanoid. Uh, shit flies overhead. Now, I can't really tell. Um, but in any event, it's 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 a great website for for. Yeah, all, it looks it. I've never knew this existed till now. Yeah, like the characters and, and and not just for Gollum. I mean, for Star Crash, for Star Crash Two, for all those those things. You'll you'll have a great time just learning all about these. You know this this crazy era. I will have. No spare time over the next couple of days if I get into this. <laughs> you, you might find another one we'll want to talk about if you. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you dig into dig into one of these. You might find another sci-fi we need to talk about at some point. I wish more people did this. I wish there was a, you know, a shrine for Italian zombie movies out there somewhere. You know, that would be fantastic. Yeah, maybe we should start. Maybe we should start one. <sighs> yeah, you know, in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, we all have tons of spare time. You know. I wish I had more. <laughs> You know, if we it would say we've seen as how we're both re both retired, you think we'd have more time, but then you know you just find more uh, 
hobbies to occupy that time and more movies to watch and then there is less time than there was before you know it, uh, it is crazy you know you you work full-time and then you finally you know reach the point where you can retire and you you have a you still have full-time doing all these things you wanted to do for all these you know years and all that stuff I, I think you know another year or so i'll get i'll feel caught up enough that i'll i'll be able to take on something you know something bigger than all these things i'm trying to finish up with movies i'm editing and soundtracks i'm writing and all this other stuff but yeah maybe someday i'll i'll try to weigh in on on, on some italian genre some some uh, obscure italian film that i really love and maybe i'll put on a website on it who knows there you go but yeah not not today though right not today <laughs> no not yet <laughs> Uh, well, I think we can sum things up here. I got one last thing I want to talk about before we uh, send this one up. I, I I like the fact that like Lord Grawl finally gets to show us what he's got, that he's got these powers. And again, you were, you are correct. It did kind of reek of uh, the Emperor and Return of the Jedi. But it's so short-lived. That's the one thing I want to talk about that, that was a little bit of um, – I don't want to use the term disappointment – you know, because there's really nothing in this movie that's disappointing, you know, but it, it's just, it's a little bit of a letdown, just a little bit. It's just like, oh, I wanted to see him bust off and do some Darth Vader type shit. And he does do it for about 45 seconds. Yeah, yep, exactly. And that's, again, you feel like either they were running out of money or running out of time or something. You got a taste of it. And that scene could have gone on for 10, 15 minutes, you know, and like you said, it, it could have and it should have. I'll bet you, I'll bet you they had a plan. They were going to blast off in that ship and there was going to be a chase. And there's probably all kinds of stuff they, they wanted to do. But, you know, seven million dollars <laughs> they spent on this one, supposedly. So yeah. oh, I know, can see where it must have, must have run out. But I mean, God, the, the whole like last 20 minutes of this movie is nothing but mayhem. Lots of smoke, fire and a shit ton of sparks everywhere <laughs> lots of people getting shot a lot of people yeah a lot of stormtrooper deaths the the half dozen or so decapitations and multitudes <laughs> that they had agatha going downhill really 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 fast and this is where i made a note where you know that a sci-fi weapon is tough when it kills everybody in twos because when uh golob gets a hold of the the bigger ray gun or laser blaster oh and no yeah. matter what it, it just ex you know, he never actually hits anybody it just explodes like it's a, a grenade launcher you just know a sci-fi weapon is you know like the bfg and doom you, you know it's a badass gun when it's killing everybody in twos and threes yep yeah that's but, for sure yeah they, that whole that that stage they built for that whole scene that was you know again it was you know a, a reminiscent certainly of some of the, the the battles in star wars when they were you know trying to get back to the millennium falcon and they're fighting all the jet you know the, the stormtroopers and all that stuff it was, it was a cool stage and uh, they, they definitely took advantage of it for the stunts and, and had a lot of fun out there. That's probably where they blew all their money was all those explosions. Oh, yeah, all the pyrotechnics. Yep. This movie had all the pyrotechnics. Like I said, the last 20 minutes is nothing but smoke, fire, sparks, and mayhem. Yep, the good old days before CGI when you actually could buy gunpowder and, and make these fun little explosion things. <laughs> yeah, now everything's done CGI, and goddamn, can you tell? Yeah, You can obviously <laughs> tell, but... Yeah, those are the good old days. Yeah. One last question I have. Maybe you have some uh, insight to this. <laughs> but the very end, when Tom Tom says he has to go, and he's going with the 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 Jedi Ghost Sand people, as I call them. Yep. He's supposed to be from the past, 
and he's from Tibet. So does that mean he's from, you know, um, again, using air quotes here, present day Tibet on Earth? That's uh, that's that just confusing I, to me. It, it Well, it's unclear because at times they refer to Metropolis, you know, as Earth. And then they, they, they kind of the script is kind of muddled there. And then but but when they go to Metropolis, it doesn't look like Earth. It, you know, it looks like Tatooine. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very red. So I'm, I, I don't know. I'm confused by, by that whole aspect of it. it. It didn't, you know, it didn't bother me to the point of, you know, this is, this is Star Wars. Who cares? It can be on any planet they want. Right. But right, yeah, I, I interpreted it. Yeah. That he was, that he was a Tibetan monk and that this was some sort of, you know, t- you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but you know, some sort of spiritual, you know, power that these Tibetan monks have and that he travels through time and space and does these things. And just kind of goes on adventures, I guess. <laughs> you know, when they're when they're doing their meditation, maybe this is what happens. I, I'm not an expert on Tibetan monks, but that's that's how I felt. That's what I felt was going on there too. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt that way, but I just felt it was unclear. And again, it might be something that maybe that was explained better in the script, but yeah. We can ask Gans or maybe somewhere on the website he gets into that. I yeah, know. maybe, maybe, but yeah, it just felt like th- this was almost, in a way, like two movies worth of stuff crammed oh, into yeah. one film. Yep, because there's a yeah. whole lot of stuff going on, a whole yeah, this, lot of stuff. Today, if they had this idea, they would be talking to Netflix. Hey, let's do a miniseries. You know, let's give us give us a right. ten episodes, and they could they could flesh this out in ten episodes, and it'd be a lot of fun. You know, if, if they were to be so inclined. There's enough story here to do something like that with, for sure. Exactly. And this is sad that, you know, that moment has passed. There's definitely not going to be a sequel to Humanoid coming out anytime soon. And, you know, in a world where they're making the Fast and the Furious part, you know, 37, you know, we could at least had a a second Humanoid movie. Just a second, at least a second. It means to make it a trilogy, for fuck's sake. Yeah, we'll keep saving our money. You know, maybe we can scrape up $70 million and make one today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I scraped up $70 million, you you would know it because nobody would ever hear from me ever again. (laughs) That's right. You're like, what happened to Cam? Like, I don't know. He's time-sharing in the mountains of Jeremiah Johnson. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we probably have talked about as much as we can about the humanoid, about our old pal Golub. Uh, you know how we do things around here. We do uh, usually do a little summary at the end of our thoughts on the film and then do a rating on a scale from 1 to 10. And, you know, guests go first, so have at it. Yeah, so, um, you know, strengths strengths of the film, I guess, for me, you know, it was the, the interesting villains that had the, their own interesting, you know, little motivations and that they were all sort of kind of using each other and tricking each other. I thought that was good. The cast was fantastic in it. It was nice to see Richard Keel, you know, in a film where he you got to play a, a kind of a, a multi-layered role. He was a good guy. He was a bad guy. He was a hero. You know, he got to do a little bit of everything in there. That was fun. Um, certainly an attractive cast with Corinne Cleary and Barbara Bach. That was that's always always appreciated. Uh, always nice to see Ivan Razumov in stuff. He's he's just you know anytime he's in front of the camera, you, you just can't take your eyes off him. He he chews up the scenery. And Arthur Kennedy did too. Obviously, great job. Um, production design. If you wanted to see Star Wars again, but not Star Wars, this is the movie for you. I mean, that's it's Star that's Wars the, cousin. 
Yeah, it is. The costumes, I mean, they really did a heck of a job with the costumes and the stages and all that stuff. Special effects, yeah, it's 1979. You know, I mean, it is what it is. And they didn't they didn't quite have our, our you know, the Hollywood technology to pull some of this stuff off. But it's still a lot of fun to watch. A lot of, a lot of action, well edited. Um, you know, obviously you want more. It's one of those movies where you just, you kind of wanted more of, of basically everything. But still a lot of fun. Um, direction, maybe not the best. And the musical score was, was disappointing for sure. But all things considered... You know, if I were to just rate it as, you know, in comparison to all the other Italian sci-fis, this is right up on top. This is as good as any of them. You know, I really like Contamination um, as a sci-fi. I think that was, that's a fine film. That's um, probably is, my favorite. Yeah, that one might Italian be number sci-fi. one. Star Crash, I think, is, is you know, 1A. That's right up there for me. Uh, it's not as well produced as this, though. Um, it's Star Crash is just more kind of charming and, and maybe more heartfelt than, than this was. This was definitely more, hey, let's 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 kind of make a Star Wars ripoff, but not Star Wars ripoff. We'll still tell a, a unique story, a different story, but, you know, it, lots of good things going for it. Not too many negatives. Obviously, for me, this is this is a film I really love for for everybody else in the world. I'd probably give it a six point five or a seven. For me, it's a nine solid nine. I'd have to agree with pretty much everything you said. I'm coming in a little bit lower than you. Um, I'm going to come in at a seven and a half, which I still feel is like fairly solid, you know, for this movie. But I, I agree, you know, like the the direction is a little lacking. It felt like maybe, you know, old George Lewis wasn't uh, <laughs> as, uh, you know, enthusiastic about it as everybody else seemed to be. But yeah, I mean, it, it has his great miniature work. Great sets. The staging is great in it. The effects are pretty damn good for 1979. You know, there's a few little wonky effects like the one in the beginning that we talked about and a few, you know, scenes that just, you know, it feels a little hokey. But, man, the the level of stunts and effects, miniature work that they do in this movie is just crazy. Most of the time these movies that are, you know, Star Wars clones, as I like to call them, are, are, are done very cheap. And this movie is anything but cheap. It's got tons of action, tons tons of effects. That, like I said, the, I, I I love the the choreography of the action is, is also pretty damn good with all the stunts going on. I'd love would have loved to uh, ask Richard Keel about this if I'd have known about it when I met him because I would have liked to ask him just how many people got hurt. I'm sure there was <laughs> at least several. But real uh, real uh, real quick story just to just to briefly interrupt you so i did actually ask richard keel about this movie when i met him oh cool <laughs> and uh he he looked at me and he said so cheesy <laughs> <laughs> and uh but but then I, I tried to get her to talk about it he didn't seem to want to talk about it but he did he did complain that the robo dog malfunctioned all the time it drove him crazy i can, I can see that <laughs> i, I can <laughs> see that and he and he and he complained about his costume. His costume was so hot and heavy. So those those were the things he did say to me. But his his when he I don't think anybody had probably ever asked him about this movie before. I just got that vibe from him because the way he looked at me, like how do you even know this movie exists? They just is so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture him saying that. I can picture yeah. that. Anyway, sorry. But but yeah, I, 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 that pretty much sums up everything I had to say. Like I said, the, the, the costume's great. The wardrobe uh, is magnificent. Everything about it is uh, pretty outlandish. 
you know, you could tell they had uh, a decent budget for this one. They thought this movie was really going to go somewhere, but I think probably not releasing it and getting it a more grand release in the States probably hurt them because, again, that was their tar- target audience. They did, you know, as they said, they, you know, as we've already said, it was shot in English. So, you know, we were their tar- target audience, but I think they saw, like, listen, the writing is on the wall here. If we release, release this, George Lucas is going to sue George Lewis into obscurity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, like I said, still a, a solid 7.5. I was highly entertained. It was rarely, if ever, you know, slow. The only thing that slowed it down was the Tom Tom scenes, but you're going to get that with the kid actor. You know, he he did as good as he, as he possibly could, I'm sure. But uh, if I had to nitpick and say there was any one negative, it'd be the Tom Tom character. He just slowed things down. But you, it's, it's a Star Wars clone. You got to have a Obi-Wan Kenobi character, man. What would it, what would a Star Wars clone be without one? Right. And a, and a nine-year-old one at that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a nine-year-old I, from I mean, a different time and a different planet. Imagine if this. Imagine if this was released in Blu-ray, though. I bet we. I bet you and I both give it a higher score. You know, if we could see it and hear it even better. You know, I. I just think that would be. I, I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. I would. I would love to be able to see it in a lot more clarity because, you know, folks, if you do want to watch this movie, it's available. You know, on, on a couple different YouTube channels, and that's really the only way I know to find it. You know, but I was glad to at least see it. You know. In any kind of fashion, even if it was just a, a, a bad YouTube rip. But it's, but it's out there. So it's at least, you know, what I mean, it's at least, how do you want to say, uh, it's it's available to an extent. <laughs> well, and unfortunately, I, I was well, while you were talking, I was kind of going over that uh, goal of the humanoid website. And there is a petition to get this movie released. But it must be older because, unfortunately, the petition's expired. So, but you know, that doesn't mean we can't start a new one. You know, we can we can get yeah. after Columbia. It looks like maybe Columbia Pictures has it. I don't know. I don't know where the who owns it now. But uh, you know, we got we got to get it out there. It, we've got we've got to get this released. The next generation of sci-fi fans needs to see this movie. Yeah, exactly. I, that's why I'm kind of like I said. Thank you again for uh, you know suggesting this one. Because you always seem to find, you know what I mean, that that one that I've just never seen or at least never heard of or seen once and forgot about. But yeah, keep down your toes. Yeah, exactly. This was a good pick. Good pick, sir. Well, folks, uh, I want to thank you all, as always, for listening to us ramble on about these uh, obscure Italian uh, horror and sci-fi and genre cult films that uh, we love so much. Um, you got Tom Verdinsky right here to thank for this one for uh, helping Cinema Degeneration bring this one to light. And, you know, I, I think I might look into doing a little uh, uh, an online petition to see if we can generate some interest because I feel like it's a, it's a cinematic travesty to not have this on some sort of physical media. You know, Blu-ray, DVD, fuck, I'd, 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 I'd settle for a VHS print, just something, anything. So oh, and you, yeah, I mean, especially when you think about all the all the ones that are out there, you know, all the other films, you know, that that I mentioned, you know, that that, that do have actual releases that this one is superior to. 
Um, and like I say, go to that uh, go to that goal of the humanoid website, and and just you can just see it's it's a shrine to all the spaghetti sci-fi. And and when you look at these, just I mean, yours on DVD, Star Crash is on DVD, Planet of the Vampires, all these other ones are on DVD. War of the Robots is on DVD. I mean, you know, come on, this is way better than that one. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, I would sign their their humanoid petition, but since it's dead in the water, I might just have to start one of my own. All right, good deal. All right, well, I'll folks, be the first to sign. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, again, thank you, Tom, for taking a, an hour or two out of your your schedule here to to get a little philosophical and uh, nostalgic about some of these old movies we love so much. I appreciate your time and effort, and I appreciate the suggestion. Um, I'll have to keep you, keep me on my toes and have the you know come up with another weird one that i haven't seen which i'm sure there's many that's the best thing about doing the show is just you know yeah we're going to cover some movies that we've obviously seen many many times you know some of the big ones but like doing these little obscure ones is what i love because i love discovering these old movies from you know the era that i remember and love and it just shows you how almost how infinite the you know the filmography is because there's always seems to be dozens if not hundreds of more movies that you never heard of never seen so that's the exciting part of this absolutely and it's fun to revisit them for me too well folks i will bet you a fond farewell you have been listening to cinema degenerations takeout edition and as long as you keep listening we'll keep doing them thanks for listening folks that looks pretty bad doesn't it kid we're off course and our auto navigation computer systems out and they can't hear a word I'm saying.